0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Invisible Not Broken. Today, I'm speaking to Kevon, and she runs an amazing company called Made in California. She also suffers from chronic migraines, which she's been dealing with since she was five years old. So we really talked a lot about um, (laughs) what it's like to go to school when you have a chronic illness, especially when you're young and um, female, and when your disability is um, actually, truly, honestly, all in your head and invisible and how teachers react to that and school officials react to that. That's a, a thing close to my heart right now. And if there are teachers and educators, I really would love for you guys to listen to this and leave notes in... Our, um, our comment section and tell us about how you handle things with teenagers and kids who have chronic illness. So that's a part of it. We also go off on a few tangents. Pugs are one of them. I'm sorry if you're not a pug lover, but uh, Kevin and I both have pugs and they are special friends, especially when you're chronically ill. And we also discuss isolation and chronic illness. Um, the importance of technology and chronic illness for being able to go to school, for being able to run businesses when you can't necessarily leave the house. These are all topics we go over significantly. Um, We talked about what it's like to be an entrepreneur with chronic illness. I've been noticing more and more of us who have chronic illness are starting to run our own businesses or at least do our own projects. Uh, Kavan is so awesome and she talks about what it was that really started her business, which is awesome. Seriously, she's living my dream life right now. (laughs) And um, she realized that her triggers for her migraines were chemical smells and a whole bunch of other things. But the idea of not being able to have any of these products really helped push her towards creating her own business. And That I found fascinating. If something's bothering you, just making a better product and something interesting is wonderful. Um, We absolutely discuss medical marijuana. Everyone who's listened to the show knows I am a huge proponent. And we talk about other herbs that have helped and nutrition. Um, We also talk about how cute it is when people talk about over-the-counter painkillers. Like that's going to work for most of us. That's darling and a little frustrating for us all to be really honest um we talk about the different supports for having chronic illness and i'm gonna let her start talking here because this is one of my favorite interviews i adore her and if i end up moving to oregon and starting a farm up there this is all going to be her fault thank you so much make sure that you press subscribe If you know someone with chronic migraines or there's someone you would like to understand chronic migraines better, this is the perfect episode to share with them. So please share with any of your Facebook groups, share with friends and family. It is a huge help to us when you share us and subscribe and say really nice things about us on iTunes. All right. And introducing a wonderful person who I have been chatting pugs and living in California and exiting California. I would love for you to introduce yourself.
1: My name is Kevin Christine. I am the founder and owner and uh, girl Friday behind a company called Made in California here in California (laughs) that focuses on making small batch, eco-friendly, all natural um, body and home scent focused products. And what are you dealing
0: with besides like the main general issue of running a business in California? We could talk about that all day.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, my my chronic issue is I do have chronic migraine syndrome. I was um, diagnosed at age five. I'm now 34. So I've been dealing with it pretty much my entire life. Um, and yeah, so we're going to talk about that.
0: Wow. Okay. So I have so many questions. <laughs> the first one though, that I just really want you to clarify, cause we have international audience and a lot of people who have, have an idea of migraines, but still think that a headache makes them understand what a migraine is. So if you could do a basic, just how this all works.
1: So yeah, that's, and that's something that is very common. I think for people who do not have chronic migraines have really never had to experience uh, migraines is um, the only way, I mean, the best way to describe it that I can as somebody who's never experienced it is imagine having the worst headache of your life and multiplying it by a thousand in terms of the pain level. Um, A headache, a really bad headache for one person is probably a normal day for me. (laughs) And migraines are very much, you know, it's not just about the mass amount of head pain. There's a lot of other things that go with it. There's Um, sensory issues. There's both, you know, there's physical uh, sickness that can go with it. Um, There's a lot of sensitivities. I'm a type of person has multiple ones. I have light sensitivities, sound sensitivities. Um, Even just being around a lot of people, I get sensory overload and that can trigger them. Environmental is a huge one. Weather affects migraines for me greatly. Uh, Anytime a storm is coming. I know it's coming because a migraine gets really bad. Uh, pressure, foods, foods are a big trigger for me. Um, I have a lot of sensitivities to uh, chemicals in general, but especially in foods. So uh, processed foods, things like that. So, you know, there's just a bunch of contributing factors to it. Um, and it's really kind of depend on the day of what's going to trigger a migraine. So...
0: I, like, I was so curious to talk to you, because I've had migraines, but it's been a while, and my son has them now, and I cannot feel more for him being in high school with all of the noise, and yeah. all the, like, he can get, uh, like, I have other friends with migraines, too, and, like, they get triggered by um by sense. and there's so much like axe cologne going through those hallways. Oh. Like, oh my god, that'd be
1: awful. It's, I mean, that stuff, it, it's besides the fact that, I mean, it's horror. All of those types of chemically based scents are so horrible for any person to begin with, hence, you know, emphasis on the word chemical. Yeah. Um, that was, that's always a huge, huge thing for me. One thing too, which, um, I don't know if other migraine sufferers deal with this. I think there's got to be at least quite a few that do. Um, but my sense of smell is very, very heightened. As a matter of fact, you know, my father always compared me to a bloodhound growing up, <laughs> because I can smell things that um, nobody else can smell. It's it's insane. I mean, I compare it to being on the freeway and you're driving and you can smell a lit cigarette you know three lanes over and half a mile back that's how intense my sense of smell is so for me there's just there's certain smells a majority of a lot of smells that really gross me out but i can't go into to buildings or certain things if the smell is just doesn't agree with me so definitely i mean even just when you're in the store i can't go down cleaning aisles i can't go down you know, department stores, I stay away from malls because you walk into a department store in the beauty area and it's just, it's like somebody just ups and slaps you upside the head, you know? Um, so for me with the, the actual having the sensitivity to smells, that's what actually prompted me to start Made in California was because, um, I've never been able to really use any type of body care products or perfumes or anything like that. Um, I didn't really get to partake in all of the fun, you know, uh, chapstick smells of my youth, you know, because I just had so much sensitivities to them. And so I started, I kind of got so frustrated and I had a lot of things that led up to it. Um, but in my late twenties, you know, I'd say around 29, 30, um, I got really sick in my late twenties from a lot of things and had to really kind of recover from it. And part of it was just, I got so frustrated not being able to, burn candles or use sprays or anything like that, that I really kind of just started making my own stuff and really diving into herbalism and doing the research and really figuring out the natural way to do things. And as I started making these products, um, I started giving them to friends and family. And it's like, here, try. them. not really thinking beyond just like, Hey, I made this take it. And after doing that for a while and really getting great feedback, uh, my, You know, my mom was kind of like, you know, you really kind of have a business here, you've got something that other people want and need. Why don't you consider, you know, going into business with this. And so I opened an Etsy shop. And um, I started with Etsy. And, you know, at the time, the only products that I had were, I was making these, uh, aromatherapy eye masks and rice filled eye masks and body wraps because I relied on those very heavily with migraines, keeping them in the freezer and having the sense of smell that I have at a certain point, the ones that I had bought from like the local drugstore really started to smell bad and one day I kind of opened them up and found funky things growing in there and and looking at these things going, I can make these better. And that's when I started experimenting and kind of making these and kind of came up with the prototype and figure out where the issue was and how to make it better. And that's what I, the first initial product I started with in my little Etsy shop. And then it grew to doing my unisex oil-based, you know, c- colognes and um, my reclaim wood air fresheners and things like that. And it's really just the past two years; it's been a slow and steady build. And now I'm at the point of we are I'm getting the line into stores, and I'm working with a lot of great small boutiques across the U.S. and getting the products in there. Um, you know, so people with any type of sensitivity, chronic or not, can go and have a product that they can trust that is not going to make them sick. And that's going to be good for them. And they can keep coming back to, you know, to me and know that they've got somebody who understands what they're going through and how they feel and what the problems are. And, you know, and, and my, my whole thing is for every, every new customer that I work with, that I keep away from buying something with a coupon at a, you know, at a major chain store, (laughs) you know, that's full of things that aren't good for you. That's, that's a win, you know, and especially like you're talking about your son and in the environment that he's in, especially at that age when so much of that type of stuff can really affect physical growth and emotional growth. And they have done studies and proven that these types of chemicals are not good for you. Um, any way that I can help kind of fix that, then it's phenomenal that I get to do that. You know, someday
0: someone needs to do a study on how many entrepreneurs have chronic issues, because I have been talking to so many people and a lot of people either are on disability or are starting a business so that they can still move forward. Even if they can't st- can't be in an actual like nine to five Monday through Friday job.
1: Well, and I I think it's interesting because I think that, I think it's changing, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and doing your own thing because of, now don't understand, I'm the type of person where, I get dragged in technology, kicking and screaming. I prefer like a rotary phone and a record player.
0: <laughs> I should have, I, I, And I had to ask you if you could walk me through the technology this morning. We're and, doing great today. <laughs> the fact that I know how
1: to walk you through that is amazing to <laughs> me because I'm just somebody who, I was the type of person when Photoshop Elements came out and I was in, in college and my, my professor was, you know, photography major and my professor was like, we want you guys to try this out and tell us what you think. And I sat there in the class and I was just like, this is never gonna last. We're never going to use this software. I ate my words, just a um, little bit, just a tad, <laughs> just a little bit. But technology for me too. It, it 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 is can be too much for me. I you know I'm on my computer as little as possible. Um, I probably the device I rely on is probably my iPad to be honest, because I can get some, a lot of stuff done in there because I just get overwhelmed and then my eyes get tired and then a migraine starts, and it's, you know it's a domino effect. But I think that with the technology that we have now, it's so much more accessible to people to start their own business. And as a matter of fact, I read a study a couple weeks ago that I think 56, I could be wrong in the number, I think 56% of all businesses in the United States are small business or independent owned. And that's amazing. That's absolutely phenomenal. And I think that we're seeing this, this transition of people not wanting the American dream anymore and not wanting to work the nine to five and be in the community to have the big house. So we're really kind of creating our own rules as we go. I'm the same way. We talked about this. I want to move to Oregon. I want to build a tiny house, (laughs) some property, and do my own little minimal thing. That's my deal. And um, for people with with chronic conditions who cannot be in a work environment, cannot be in a nine-to-five environment, there's so much more that's opening up to them now where you don't look at this diagnosis as you know, for uh, as kind of, I don't want to use the term death sentence, but as kind of like a stopping point in life of like, Oh, this is it, you know, sorry, that's the end of it. Um, it's changing and it's, it's really, really cool. And, um, I think we're going to start seeing an even bigger wave of people going, okay, well, I may have this, (laughs) but I still can do this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go pursue that dream. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to find a niche in the world that needs my expertise or needs what I have to offer it and be successful at it. And so I think that's, that's really just, it's phenomenal. I think we couldn't be at a better time to be dealing with something chronically and be able to take control of it as, and make it work for you as opposed to you working for it. And that's what I've done. You know, it's like, if I got to live with these migraines my entire life, fine. But You know what? You're gonna. It's gonna work for me. I'm gonna make it work for me instead of sit here and go, "Whoa, is me?" and just accept it. I don't accept anything that I, you know, (laughs) I can change it. I'm gonna change it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I knew
0: I liked you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, and I was so I. There's so much I want to cover with you. And one of the things I'm really interested in is you were diagnosed at five, so you've had a lot of time to Mm -hmm. come to terms with things. And I'm very similar. I've been sick since I was eight. And I was told I wouldn't walk when I was sixteen. Like they're like, Okay, when you you might get to thirty and still walk, but I always knew there was a time frame. So I, I've always been very good at being like, okay, so I'm going to hit the wall with everything I want to do, yeah but I have to be very clear that I will have to walk away from it eventually. So I'm good at making lists of things that are still possible. So after I'd run my photography business for 10 years and then I was too sick to do that and that was heartbreaking and that was, that was, uh, please don't get me wrong. That was hard, hard but I did sit down and write a list of what was still possible and even one of those things that was still possible halfway through didn't end up being possible anymore. So thanks to that, we have this podcast. <laughs> um and you know, you're so right. And like this time is so different to be chronically ill, especially being at home. Where right. like I can still be I am I'm a social person. It's very hard for me to be stuck at home for weeks on end. My co host right. Kira's will tell you that I am like, okay, you need to come over. I need socialization. I'm starting to scare people. (laughs) And with um, the ability for Skype and for, you know, Facebook and other things, those are such like a connection point when you need that socialization. It's not like, you know, reading things like the yellow wallpaper where she's like stuck in a room and the wallpaper starts turning
1: into things. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God, because I'd be that person. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing, too. I think with at least for me, um, you know, I I really have kind of, unless you really known me and been my, you know, been in my life, I've always kind of kept the chronic migraines to myself because I've always kind of just thought, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what other people are dealing with, mine is very nothing compared to what other people are dealing day to day. Um, but thanks. I mean, I, I really starting this company and, and, believe it or not, Instagram has been a huge, uh, a huge, there's a huge migraine community on there. And that's why I've kind of really kind of paid attention and gone, okay, well, you know what sharing is, is, is a good, is a good thing. I might, you know, I've never wanted anybody to look at me and go, Oh, poor, poor you, poor thing." Because I'm like, look, compared to other people, as long as I'm still able to walk and talk and breathe and do my own thing, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm fine. I can, I can manage. I'm fine. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, in terms of talking about it, if anything and sharing what I've gone through and having it for so long, where you have people that, you know, are looking for somebody to turn to and say, Hey, you know, how do I handle this? What do I do? I was just diagnosed you know, what, where do I go from here? And so like doing this in your podcast and be able to talk to you and say, look, it's totally possible. You can run your own business and you can do your own thing and, and have a life and stuff and figure it out and, um, and make those lists and do what you want to do. And when something happens, you can't do it, then you adapt to it. You know, and that's what, that's what I've done. Um, as I've gotten older, certain symptoms have changed. Certain things have gotten easier. Certain things have gotten a lot worse. Um, so I adapt, you know, like anything else you just adapt to it. So, so yeah, but, uh, but I think for people, you know, it's, it's very easy to kind of hit a wall when you're dealing with something every day or, you know, not be sociable or things like that. And so I think that it's all the more reason for kind of banding together and talking and, and, uh, having a support system, you know, so
0: I find it so interesting to, that you would say, well, the other people have it worse, like even people who've had really bad headaches, I think would say, no, really, that's one of the worst things because you can't concentrate. You can't focus on other things. And it's, it's so funny how many of us who have chronic issues play it down. Well, like, like the big thing in my house is it's not cancer. Because we've watched a whole bunch of our friends die in the last five years of cancer. And it's like, okay, this sucks, but we're not, no one's dead. No one's dying. It's okay. And it's interesting how many of us, like, I don't want to say minimize, but it's like, It's almost like, well, uh, you know, I I can handle this, and I wonder if part of it is like you and I have been dealing with these things for so long that handling it is just kind of what we've been doing.
1: (laughs) We got this. Yeah, it's the day to day thing, and that's the thing too. Is I mean, they refer to migraines as as chronic migraines are an invisible disease, Mm. and so you know, and that's something too is having them since I was a child, very obviously, very young. um, I dealt with that growing up. Now, my mom has had chronic migraines her older sister as well. So it is something that the women in my mother's side of the family do tend to get. Um, but growing up in school, especially elementary school, I would get them three, four times a week. And, you know, I'd have to go to the nurse's office to lay down. And, and the response was, oh, she's just trying to get out of class. She doesn't want to do the work. They didn't believe me. And so when you have that kind of built into you hit, hitting you every day, you're just kind of like, all right, well, I'm just not going to say anything because nobody believes me anyway, even though my parents completely did. But even, even you know, on the medical side of it, it was like, oh, she just has an ear infection. Oh, she just has sinus infection. Oh, she just has this, just has that it's like, no, she's in se- severe pain. You know, I can remember times as, as a child just on the floor screaming because it was so bad and it was like, oh, she'll be fine, you know, <laughs> like, like <that>. not, <laughs> not, like, <laughs> really not fine. And so, and especially as, you know, back in the, nine, the 89, 1990, that type of thing, you know, they've done so much advancement and research and trying to figure out, migraines and what's causing them in different types, but they didn't know much, you know, back then. And, and so it was like, Oh, give her some Advil or we'll give her some Motrin and she'll be fine. It, you know, it's, I kind of laugh and like, you see that the migraine, you know, the Excedrin migraine or whatever, and you see the commercials and I laugh at those things. I'm like, that's really cute, but that's not <laughs> <laughs> like, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Not do it. So I kind of just dealt with it until um, I was in you know, late high school, college and everything. And that's when a lot of the migraine meds kind of came out. And my doctor at the time was like, let's try these for you. Let's get you on those. And I tried every migraine medication that was on the market at that time. And they either didn't work. Or they just made me sick. I remember one particular medication was I had to take four. I swear to God, these were horse pills. I had to take four pills in the span of an hour every 15 minutes. And like by the time I got to the fourth pill, I was so sick from it. It never lasted. you know. And all those things. Okay, we're going to try birth control because maybe we can control it with your hormones. And all these different things. So by my late 20s, I was so sick from all these medications that I between being sick from that, dealing with the migraines, I was, um, I was a vegan at the time, which I can tell you for me, did not work for my body. And, um, I had gone through, I, you know, I was really kind of a depressive state from not feeling good and being sick. And then I had lost, um, one of my, one of my pugs, my first two pugs, I lost her very tragically. And I woke up one day and I was like, I couldn't physically couldn't get out of bed. And I called a friend of mine. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, concerned. And I'm not saying it's scared very easily. So the fact that I was concerned, she was like, okay, we're going to get you. We're going to get you to my holistic doctor. We're going to get you in. We're going to figure this out. And I had a wonderful practitioner who it basically put me on this regimen. It took me a year to get back to this point. And the first thing that she had me do was I threw out all those medications. I threw out all the birth control. I threw everything out. And she was like, we've got to detox your body because this is what's going through. And everything is just messing with you. It's not helping you. And so that was the real the time for me that I really kind of said, okay, Western medicine is great but it doesn't work for me on this. I need to take control of my health and I need to take control of my migraines and I need to figure out what works for me. And that's when I really started to to figure it out and pinpoint so, things. real
0: quick, for legal yeah. reasons, do not yeah. sue us. This yes. is something that works- for Kevin, this is not, for me, medical I, advice is not dispensed here. This is for stories, exactly. just a quick little thing, just to make, make, make sure, sure don't we don't
1: get it mean letters. Don't run to your doctor's podcast and go see, 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 don't yeah, do no. That. don't do that for me personally. This is what we're, <laughs> ask your doctor paper. about this. Please yeah. feel
0: free to ask doctors, but we are not giving advice. We're giving yes. stories.
1: Exactly. Please don't.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Quick little moment there.
1: Okay. So anyway, but, um, so that's when I really started to get into it. And I started to discover, you know, the use of essential oils and, and, and herbs and things like that. And that's when I really got in control of, of being able to at least, you know, pinpoint and figure out what caused them and everything. And when you're able to finally kind of wrap your, your brain around that, Oh my God, it's night and day. It's all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I can be in control of these things for like ninety percent of the time. This is awesome. <laughs> you know? Oh my and God. that stuff really started to shift for me. And, you know, and I really started to kind of really t- I took control of it. And um and it was a domino effect. I took control of my health. I started this business and it's been really it's it's been really wonderful the past, you know, four or five years of this entire kind of this, this process. And like right now, one thing that has been very interesting, which I do recommend people check out is, um, there's a, a, a guy by the name of, he goes by medical medium and you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and I think it's MedicalMedium.com and everything. And the guy is, he, his, his approach with medicine is very, very, uh, nature-based and he really has kind of got into what the the potential causes of migraines are with like the Epsom bar virus and how it can be passed down. And I'm really kind of in the middle of reading that and and learning about that stuff. And it's opening up so many more aha moments now than, than before. And I think that's, you know, kind of the point is with any type of chronic condition is you got to take, you have to decide what works for you and do your work and do your research and everything. Every single person is different. And I think that that's why, you know, homeopathic has worked for me more just because it's not a one size fits all type of situation. <laughs> and I think that that's when I was being treated with medications, it was kind of like, oh, here you go, because this works for everybody else. It's going to work for you. And it didn't, you know, it caused more problems than, than good. And so that's I think that's something, too, that we need to also really speak up about is. Being in control and saying not everything works for everybody, and being able to figure out with or without your doctor. <laughs> <I> <laughs> thank want, you. For, <laughs> I want to cover that legal thing. Um, you know, yeah, I, don't sue me. I have no money. don't. <laughs> you know, squad, some of us have any money. You, you, you know i I think I got an old bench somewhere I can <laughs> Uh, somewhere sitting in my garage, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, but that was the thing too, is, is that's how I've always felt. I'm like, well, everybody, other people have it so much more worse than I do. So I don't, you know, I never really talked about it. I would not, I wouldn't really disclose it to anybody. Um, kind of like, you know, really good friends when they found out I had migraines, it was like, right. When I was in the middle of a really bad one. And it's kind of like that, Oh my God, what do we do? Do we take it to ER? And it's like, no, it'll, it'll pass. I just, you know, I've got to work through it type of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's how I've always kind of felt that I don't, you know, everybody's got it worse. I shouldn't talk about it. I shouldn't acknowledge it. But now with this business and really kind of getting involved in the community, now I finally am kind of like at the point of like, Oh, it's okay to talk about it and we should talk about it and tell my story. And, you know, maybe that one person will hear to go, Oh my gosh, I have the same situation or the same symptoms. They, I'm so happy that there's somebody out there who gets it and understands it and with you know when I do events with with my company and I talk to customers and I get these wonderful people come in and I kind of explain you know the process behind them and why the company started and there's this light bulb moment you can see in their face it just goes off of just oh my god somebody gets it and they I've, I've had more people than not tell me I have migraines too. I have chronic migraines too. Nobody understands what I'm going through unless you have the same thing. And that's that's really, it's both wonderful, but it's sad too because so much of our population suffers from a chronic illness or chronic migraines, but so many people are dealing with it alone. And that's that's sad to me. That's really, really sad. I'm fortunate I've always had my mom, mm. so I've always had that person who has commiserated with me and understands And my, my wonderful father who (laughs) no, no migraines whatsoever. I think the man's had three bad migraines in his life. And you talk about somebody who was so sympathetic to his wife and his daughter. And so I've been really, really fortunate that I've always had that. And so now, you know, I want to be able to do that for other people and tell you it is okay. There is ways to help it. You can absolutely have a wonderful full life while dealing with this. It's it's okay. It's not a, a horrible sentence, you know? It's 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 a crappy thing, but it's a manageable crappy thing, you know?
0: <laughs> I, it, one of the crappiest things about the chronic migraines is how invisible it is. I like you no one would know. You're not even walking with a limp. It's there is just no stranger sympathy for it because no one would know what's going on. So when you're talking about school and I'm yeah. I'm gonna pull you back to that because I'm so, I'm so in the middle of dealing with teachers right now for my son. (laughs) And it's so frustrating. And I want to know about your school situation because you were spending a lot of time at the nursing office. Did that affect your grades, your, your (laughs) education? Because for like, I had to have massive surgeries all through high school and I barely graduated.
1: Yeah. So for me, my whole school situation was, was really, really interesting. Um, growing up, I started, gosh, I think three, I started doing dance and stuff like that when I was really little. And I moved into doing theater when I was about six. Um, and that kind of progressively went to music and I was involved in, you know, the whole, uh, whole LA audition route and doing all that type of stuff. So between, I would miss school for things like that. And then between having migraines. So I was in and out of class a lot. Um, I I totally was able to stay on top of stuff. However, um, I had learning issues. I had a major issue with math, um, and which was it's ironic because my my dad, he, I mean, he would downplay it, and but my father is essentially, I mean, in my my opinion is a math genius. The guy works with numbers every day. He works in hydraulic design and sales, and he's just I I feel incredibly stupid when around <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry. And
0: this is actually going to end up on the podcast. I'm so sorry, everyone. My wolf, my little Lily li- 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 German Shepherd, is um, the most nervous animal in the face of the earth, so I'm guessing someone walked across the street right now. So forgive. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to fix that, but we will have dogs barking. That's how well, it goes. This
1: is, this is real life. You don't see – If I have mine three in another room, so they weren't, you know, screaming their heads off to <laughs> everything as well, my pugs. But um, – but anyway, so, uh, you know, it, it was one of those situations and when I went to junior high and of course down here in, in Southern California in junior high sixth through eighth, um, sixth grade was, it was okay. Um, I, I was, you know, some kids embraced going to junior high. I was terrified of it because it was a whole new of like trying to figure it out and, you know, and it figure out that next part of your, your, your childhood. And uh, seventh grade was, was really, really a horrendous time. Um, I just had a lot, I had issues with a girl I was in school with and there was threats made and all these different things. And, and the latter part of the school year, I was kind of in that situation of trying to resolve with counselors, you know, this situation. And then I had in particular, I had a math teacher who, um, we were learning algebra which not a strong point and um it just wasn't it it just wasn't good and Um, I don't know if your son has been through this where he has to show his work in 15 steps or 17 steps or whatever, and trying to do this math homework. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. i I've been doing it for four hours. I'm in tears because I don't understand it. And my dad's going, look, let me show you to do it in four steps versus 14 and you'll get it done faster. It's the same thing. And I would get it finally when he teach me, well, I'd go in the next day, turn in the homework. I get the homework back and it'd be an F because I didn't show her way of doing it. So like about two months out from the school year, we were doing something and I didn't understand. It. And I went up and I said, you know, uh, I don't understand. This. Can you explain it? And she goes, I don't have time to explain it to you. Go ask your father to help you since apparently he's a better teacher than I am. And I kind of went, okay, I'm done. I threw the work in the trash can. I didn't do another piece of math homework, anything. The rest of was like, I'm done. I checked out, I was done. I'm like, you know what? I've had enough. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. And so between that and then the issue with The this this fellow student, which finally got resolved, and it got resolved when she kind of messed up and they caught her lying to them, Um, you know, like about two weeks out from the school year, I I told my mom, I said, I'm not going back next year. I can't do this. I won't do this. Figure something out because I'm not going back. And so what I wound up doing for eighth grade is I wound up going to independent study. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a teacher once a week. I did the work myself. I just did. It was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I've never been that, that kid who I wasn't the kid who liked being in school with other children. You know, I would rather sit there and read than participate. I'm still like that at 34. (laughs) Um, So it never changes. And so I wasn't that person that, that missed that social interaction. I, I didn't want to do it. I mean, sixth grade, they do sixth grade camp. It was a one week before Christmas and my mom was like, do you want to go? I was like, I don't want to go spend a week in the mountains with all these kids. I don't, I don't like most of them. <laughs> so I spent a week hanging out at school, like 10 other kids watching movies. It was awesome, you know. And um, so come high school, I, I didn't go back to the regular school. I stayed in independent study. And at the time, we were only allowed to do two years. And then we either had to go back to, you know, full public, or we had to test out. So I crammed four years of high school into two, I tested out. Um, I graduated the top 2%, which was, nobody was more shocked than I was. <laughs> and, and I went immediately went into college at 16 and, um, and fell in love with photography very quickly and decided to major in that. And so, you know, for school, I didn't get the understanding from teachers and working with me having these issues until I got an independent study, which is so sad. It's it's just so sad to me that, you know, I mean, it's hard when you have three thousand students in the school, but at the same time it's like, you know, everybody is just kind of lumped into one thing and how they're taught, or, you know, oh, if you're not feeling good, you're just trying to get out of a test. And, you know, like I said, the fact that I, I kind of dealt with that up until seventh grade you know, up until eighth grade until I had teachers that were really understanding and worked with me. Um, that's when I actually started to get the understanding (laughs) and then college, you know, college was kind of, um, they got really, really bad in college. Uh, and that was a little migraines got bad in college, migraines. Yeah. They got, they were kind of steady growing up and then they got really bad in college. And that was, that was tough. That was really tough, especially, being a photo major and being in the dark around chemicals all the time. Um, Oh, but I miss that. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. I still have a dark room and you know, I, will kind of suck it up because there's just certain things that are worth the pain to, to do, you know? And so, um, college was, was a little, was tough in terms of the migraines. They were, pro- I was probably getting them about five days a week. So you know, there's various degrees. I I kind of have a one through ten number scale is the best to describe them. So it was like anything below a six is manageable. <laughs> uh, once I hit about an eight, I'm kind of useless uh, until it's gone. So that was kind of just you know managing and just trying to managing, and that's when I start you know on trying different migraine medications, and then with with you know, being a photographer and traveling and, and doing shoots and having a crazy schedule, um, you know, you kind of just suck it up and, and deal with it. And, you know, it, it really was just, I kind of had a set type of symptoms up until I think I want to say turn, like turned 30 and then stuff started to shift it. So yeah, like I said, some stuff got worse, some stuff got easier. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's, you know, with the invisible disease type of stuff, you know, it's on one hand, I can understand where people kind of look and go, oh, it's just a headache because they don't understand and they don't get it. And they're like, well, you look fine. I'm like, I know I look fine. I don't feel fine. (laughs) Um, You know, but it's, it is, it is difficult because I think we're kind of, as a society, we're kind of taught when people are dealing with some sort of uh, physical issue it's there's some sort of outward appearance. So it. it's the same thing of having a chronic condition that is, you know, deemed invisible. It's the same thing in terms of somebody who has a, a mental illness they are dealing with and the fact that you can't see it, you know? So if I can't see it, then there can't really be a, there's probably really nothing wrong with you, you know? And I, I had teachers as a kid like, Oh, it's all in your head. I'm like, no, I know it's in my head. at hurts. <laughs> no, honestly, it absolutely I, is not in my I, head. <laughs> the definition yeah. of <laughs> exactly and it's just um you know and it's it's one of those things where you know it's people i think that it's not that people aren't sympathetic they just don't know and that's how i think you know like i said with this podcast and really people are sp- talking about it and saying hey this is what happens and this is what it feels like we're trying to educate people you know to not be so quick on judging and making assumptions and things like that. And
0: there's it, almost like a mythology in this country of hard work and yeah. suck it up and move through it will get you through anything and that's not true and it's dangerous. It's a very dangerous viewpoint to have on for other people because it can isolate people even more and um, I I totally, The guilt can get
1: intense. Oh yeah, I totally agree and it's it's kind of you know, uh, yeah, we, we deal with, as a society, we deal with guilt really poorly. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> I would even me. one up that on women. Like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I feel like as like sick women, especially oh, my sure. generation of like, young yep. ladies, suck it up, deal with it, You power.
1: <laughs> exactly. And that's how I've always, I've always been on myself. And it's like, now I'm really trying to every day kind of give myself a little bit of grace and say, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this today. Like I have, I wake up every morning and I have my, I make my to-do list the night before (laughs) and I'm like, okay. And if I, some days I get through the entire thing. Some days I get three things done and I'm like, I I can't see anymore. Can't do it. Sorry, (laughs) just not going to happen. And you kind of give yourself grace. And I think that's something too, that you have to, um, I hate using the term, you got to give yourself permission, but you kind of have to give yourself permission. I'm somebody who I need a lot of sleep. If I get less than eight, nine hours, um, it just, I, it, it's, it's doesn't work for me. I will go to bed at eight o'clock. I have no guilt over that.
0: You know? I, I, I'm laughing my tail off because I thought for sure, once my kids got past the like tiny stage, mm-hmm. we would get more sleep. Mm-hmm. No, Mm-mm. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, my ten-year-old's getting bullied at school right now. So it was like ten o'clock last night. She wanted to do yoga, and so she's yeah. like, "I'll do yoga." And it was like nine o'clock, and I'm like, "Oh, for Christ- really? All right, fine. Do yoga." <laughs> I need you to, to read that. to me. All right, it's like ten thirty, kid. I love you, but <laughs> I'm <Okay>. dying here. <laughs> Gotta go to sleep here. Yeah. I, I, so I, when you told me that the the names that you were giving me were not your children, I was like. Okay. (laughs) They are your first children. They're actually letting you sleep. They're not giving you the guilt of, I will charge you $50,000 in therapy if you don't do this, mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It made me feel a little better. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay. Got that.
1: No, no, no. I, I don't have human children. I have, I have pug children. No, and and
0: let's be clear. Pugs are not dogs. They they're, are they're, children. They're they let's need your fair. constant love and attention.
1: Well, and that's the thing, unless a lot of people realize, and of course you're a pug owner is, is pugs. No, actually have,
0: I'm owned by my pug. I, I oh, do you know, not own part, a part, pug. Part, she yeah, runs I, my life. Like, and yeah, that's not even I my heard. dog. We got her for my son. <laughs> Because he wanted a pug more. I was always, a dog needs to hit your hip to be considered a dog. (laughs) And I did not want small dogs. And this was his obsession. We got him, we got the pug for him to get him through stuff. Mm -hmm. And she now gets me through everything. Like on my weeks that I'm stuck in bed, this is my best friend who keeps me laughing and who snuggles up and snorts her way through my day absolutely and gets oh, hair all over er, the snorts are <laughs> oh. her little snores like when my husband snores I'm like I yeah. love you but I will kill you she yeah. snores I'm like
1: oh it's so cute yeah. I have to take take one and multiply it by three my no. my, my little boy Fergus and so I have my two Fergus and Gracie they're twin um they're twin they're five they're gonna be six in May and then my youngest one Annabelle will be two in May and Annabelle and Fergus are the worst. And as far as the snoring, to the point in the middle of the night, like I'm shoving Fergus, I'm like, roll over, roll. over.
0: <laughs> you have a herd of pugs.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if y- y- you can sleep, I remember when I had my first pug. to I got her when I was eighteen, and I remember we got inv- I got involved at the Pug Rescue of San Diego for a little bit when I had her because she had was a special needs pug and was uh, great. <laughs> She well was interesting. She had spina bifida, oh, and she was one baby. of the. She was the only one diagnosed in California at the time. And then a year later, I adopted a puppy mill rescue pug named Savannah, and she also had spina bifida as well. So of all the places to have the only two and have them myself was, and they were just they were my, my, you know, my world and they're still my world they're not here with me anymore. You know, physically they're, they're still here and they're my world. And so the thing what's interesting about pugs is with the pug rescue is I remember the application, seeing the application one time. And one of the questions was, is can you handle loud snoring? Cause you understand like they're going to, they're going to snore whether you like it or not. And so I have like stereo volume with my three at night, which is, is funny. And then on top of that, I sleep with a white noise machine. <laughs> Because I'm in a city, so I have constant traffic noise outside my window. Um, but it's true. They, I work for them. And unfortunately, mine are the definition of slugs. Although my youngest one, Annabelle, will play 25 you know hours a day if you let her. You ha- I have to physically take the toys away because otherwise it'll be 11 o'clock at night. And she's taking her stuffed pig and she's just hitting everybody with the pig because it's like, I want to play, I want to play. It's 11 o'clock at night, go to sleep. Um, but they are, I think they're probably the definition of codependent. I don't know if your pug is very codependent. Mine certainly are to the point of, you know, they sleep in bed with me, which I always laugh at. people are like, I don't let my dog and sleep in bed with me. I'm like, that's hysterical. <laughs> my pugs let me sleep in bed with them. And I have about three <laughs> the edge of this large bed and that's all I get. But you know, I work from home, so I'll sit down on the couch or something to answer emails and it's, it's like a magnet. It doesn't matter where they are. They hear me sit and it's just voom, right there. And all three are on the lap. I get up, you know, go somewhere else and sit down. Voom, there they are. And so it's very, it's a very codependent relationship.
0: <laughs> you know, But like, so I have the Ehlers-Danlos, the POTS, the fibromyalgia, I have all the physical stuff, but I also have clinical depression that just comes up and knocks me on my ass. Yeah. And I would not, make it if it wasn't for dogs like through high school it was really the depression was really hard and I had my dogs and I wouldn't have made it without it like I don't know if people understand how like maybe you're not a dog person maybe this isn't your thing but if you are they will save your life if you are like depressed or just isolated from from everything it's
1: it's not only having them there but it's having the responsibility of them when I lost um, I lost Savannah and then, um, about two, three, almost three years ago, I lost to Lula a couple of days after Christmas. She had an infection and just unfortunately spread oh. really quickly. And that was, that's, I've had a, I've lost a lot of people in my life and that was probably the worst I've ever had. And yeah. if it weren't for having the responsibility and having Fergus and, and Gracie, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. It was, it was so horrible. And it was funny with, with Annabelle, um, my mom was, and it's it's really interesting. My mom is, with the exception of Savannah, my mom has found every one of my pugs. And um, with with Annabelle, it was probably, oh my gosh, I think, let's see, she, uh, January, March, April, May, June, July, six months after I lost Tallulah. It was interesting when I lost her. I lost her a couple of days after Christmas, and then I got the flu, and it was just like the worst possible time. That's awful. <laughs> you know? It was the worst possible time. So she had found this ad for, you know, for Annabelle and it was like a litter. And I was actually up in the mountains with uh, with my dad. I had gone up hiking for the day and she had called me. She says, I found this listing for the pug, this little, you know, pug, because, um, I, my, out of pugs, I've always had a preference for black pugs, specifically half on half black and which all of my pugs have always been the half and half. And I knew I wanted another little girl and I wanted a half and half pug, but I wasn't ready. And I was like, I'm not, she called and I was going, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Don't call. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. And I really was like, you know, I think I'm okay with just having two right now. And that's, that's, that's fine. And cause that's the thing too is, is, and pug owners who are listening, you will understand this. It's kind of like those chips. You can't just have one. Like you may be okay with one for a no, while. No, I have one. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> so you're an exception. Most pug owners, it's like, well, maybe I'll, they need a companion. Then you have two. And the next thing you know, you're that crazy. Like, like 90 year old pug lady in the corner apartment with like 50 pugs. Do you ever see that milk commercials years ago with that gal who's got all those cats and she runs out of milk. And so she gets the creamer and mixes the water. She's like, they'll never know. And she gives them the milk and all of a sudden they lick it and they look at her. And they realize it's not real milk. And all of a sudden you see the cat paw flip the light switch and lock the door. (laughs) I love that app. I'm like, that's going to be me when I'm 90. It's like, if you don't hear from me from two weeks, just make sure you come knocking.
0: Yeah, look for the pugs. So we've gone over the pugs as like for um, helping out. What other things do you use to manage Constant migraines. So we, we we were talking about medical marijuana before we started recording. Absolutely. Uh, I definitely use that for my uh, seizure and for the muscle relaxing and for sleep. Do you, do you have – because we live in a gross state. We live in a state where we're yeah. allowed to have, I think, three plants yeah. – and medical marijuana, and as of this year, we're now legal for recreational. Which, um, listen to last week's episode, if you want the full rundown on what that legally means in California, because so we we went over the some of the really unexpected bad sides of that. Um, but what what kind of things are you using that to so get through?
1: I use one of the first things in terms of a natural treatment that I started using in my twenties was was believe it or not was peppermint essential oil. It's kind of like you know, those muscle, uh, rubs, you know, mm-hmm. that heat up and cool down. It's kind of, it's basically something like that. So I started using that as like a direct application. Um, whenever pain would, would start to kind of flicker. And it's, it's kind of, you know, for me, I kind of get these little pings in certain areas of like my neck or my head. I'm like, okay, one's coming, um, with, along with pressure. And so that's always my first go-to is applying that topically. I use, a uh, some people do really well with heat. I do better with cold, like severe cold. So I use my rice packs or my eye masks or things like that. Um, caffeine, I kind of, different, and for treatments and stuff, I kind of have different, it just depends on how bad it is and where it's at. Some people say caffeine increases the pain. Caffeine actually helps me. Um, sugar helps me. So I try to get my glucose levels up. Um, and uh, you know, I'll do something like that, or I can, maybe if I'm feeling like I'm, I'm leaching minerals, I'll try to get salt in. So kind of figuring out, okay, where am I lacking? Let me fill that in. And then, um, marijuana, yeah. Medical marijuana for sure. I do edibles. Um, I only smoke if it's, I've got to get it in really, really quickly. Um, but I will do that. And I really try very hard not to do any type of pain, management medication, unless it's past that point where it's my only option. And when it's like at an eight, nine or a 10 level, that's when I will do, um, a specific prescribed painkiller. It's the one only medication I have if I need it. And then I believe it or not, I will actually take that with, um, a milkshake, like a, like a cold milkshake and like really salty fries there. For some reason for me, the combo of that medication with those two things it helps immensely, and I'm somebody that eats very healthy. So to do that, I you know I've really got to <laughs> be sure I want that in my in my system. Um, but that's generally what I will do. I drink a ton of water, a ton a ton of water every day. But especially, I up it even more. And it really for me, um, I tend to spike a fever with a migraine, so I really focus on just trying to cooling my temperature down. So a lot of ice water, ice packs, um, the topical, as I said, things like that. And, um, but I think, you know, I haven't done direct CBD oil. I've been looking into it because it's, you know, now it's, you can get it in dropper form and capsule form and all sorts of stuff like that. But definitely the, the medical marijuana has made a huge difference for me. I can, it takes very, very little because, you know, medical marijuana in general is, is a lot stronger than you know, recreational, <laughs> this is not
0: your parents or your grandparents. Marriage. No, this,
1: <laughs> this is not, this is not. And, um, but it does, it's amazing what it can do. I mean, even compared with, you know, my mom who besides dealing with the, the chronic migraines, uh, she was diagnosed as a teenager. Uh, my mom is, has had knee replacements and hip replacements and back surgery. And so one point between all of these surgeries and all of these chronic issues, you know, it was like a pharmacy in their kitchen. And with starting medical marijuana, these medications have reduced and reduced and reduced to the point where she has one type of migraine med that she'll take if she needs it and one type of painkiller and that's it. And to go from where she was to that is amazing. So, you know, and it's, it's an incredible thing. And I think, um, and, and you know, the thing is too, is like I, if for anybody who's who's got a chronic you know issue that is considering want to do medical marijuana, I highly encourage you to do your research. I've done the research, look at look at data, look at facts, you know, take the political side, take the personal feeling, just look at the actual you know, stone cold facts of it. And it does it helps, and it makes a difference. And it's not just migraines, it's all of these chronic issues that people are dealing with. and that's it's an amazing, amazing thing. And I think you know, I grew up in the in the era of the dare program, so uh, our, yes, everything—drugs are bad, guns are bad, everything's bad. And it wasn't. It honestly wasn't until a couple of years ago um, with my mom and both my parents being like, "Look, try it." You know, what I mean? it sounds so like, try this, but it's true. It's like, look, try it, it. Try it. See if it helps. If it doesn't help, fine. But if it does, great. Um, and I didn't even originally. When I first try. I didn't even try it for my migraines. I. Um, was having lower back uh issues. Ah. And uh that's something too that I do every four weeks like clockwork, I get an adjustment from my chiropractor. It's been the same chiropractor I've had since I was fifteen. And um you know that's another thing too. If one strikes it's really bad. And as long as I can still see I will call and rush over and I'll get an adjustment to on my neck and my spine that will help immensely. So um but he's very much about natural treatments and everything, obviously. And so Um, but yeah, it was, my parents were like, look, just, you know, give it a shot, see if it helps. And it made such a difference just on my back. So the first time that I, I, I took it when I had a migraine, it was just, it it was incredible. And the best part about it was, and I I don't know if this was the same thing for you, but if I have to take a pharmaceutical painkiller, it's not just The migraine, the next day, my whole body goes into detox from it. So a migraine may last 24 hours, but it's really a 48-hour deal because my body's trying to kick that stuff out, and I'm having to deal with kind of feeling hungover from it and everything, whereas with the medical marijuana, I don't feel like that at all.
0: Yeah, so, I have a different thing because I have um, mass dislocations. Like my oh. my, um, I have a popped out shoulder right now. So right. I have um, entire bones coming out of sockets. So I have uh-huh. to take um, opiates twice a day just to be able to sit up here and talk to people. <laughs> like, right. Right. It's, um, I have a very different sort of disorder, but I do use medical marijuana. And I did until I used to use medical marijuana. I don't anymore because I can't afford it. And that's been since they changed the tax laws with marijuana and I had to stop using it, which meant my opiate use had to increase drastically.
1: Right. When I was
0: using medical marijuana, I was maybe like one pill a day. And as long as I didn't do too much, I could get away with that with medical marijuana. Now I can't, I don't have that anymore. So, so if the little Keebler troll elf in, the Senate would like to hear this and (laughs) learn about that medical marijuana should not be in schedule one. And maybe we make this thing that insurance can cover for people. That'd be great. I I could, especially since states that have implemented medical marijuana have seen a 30% decrease in opiate deaths.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's something that um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going to start seeing change more and more. And we, you know, that's the thing too is, and of course we're both in California, so for yeah. those who aren't here, you understand there's a lot of frustration we have with with our government here, mm-hmm. our state government. Um, but there has been changes, you know, we've seen a lot of changes. Obviously, the, the passing, the legal, you know, legalizing of, of marijuana, we've you know, the right to die law, things like that. So we've seen changes for the good, for the wonderful. Um, they're slow changes, (laughs) but we've seen, you know, we've seen good changes and I think that we're going to continue to see those, um, you know, and another, I think what's going to be an interesting take on this entire situation next five ten years is, is, is towards kids in terms of treatments and things like that. Um, you know, I, I can't think of the name right now, but Ricky Lake has produced a documentary on a, uh, She's a toddler sorry that's a name I haven't heard for like fifteen years. I know but she's been <laughs> producing and she's produced I haven't seen yet but I've seen kind of the previews for it um, a documentary on a toddler going through cancer treatment and it's a type of brain cancer that is just deadly to children uh, one of the, I think it's the worst one for kids uh, when they get it and how it has the CBD has actually helped strengthen tumor and has helped things and so I think it's gonna be an interesting take on how that gets uh, formulated for kids and used for kids and everything and and I'm I'm all for it um, that's something that I want to be able to do down the line with with my company is actually offer um, topicals that for that are CBD focused topicals for people to use that can use on muscle issues or chronic parts of their body or anything that they can just apply and keep going because I think a lot of people want the healing benefits, but they don't necessarily want to eat it or smoke it or orally take it. So this is going to be the next step for people. And I think in 10 years, it's going to be as common as seeing somebody use, you know, a lotion. I really do. I, I the, the, you know, reefer madness thing. <laughs> is no longer a parent. And I think that's, that's going to be the huge change. And of course, like I said, I grew up in the D.A.R.E. program. I think what'll be interesting is to see how, how the talk evolves with kids of saying, okay, because I, I personally don't, I don't consider marijuana a drug. I don't think it's a drug. I, to me, if it, if it's grows from the earth and it's not processed the way, let's say, you know, opium is, um, then, I have a hard time defining, you know, weed as a drug. But I think it's going to be an interesting thing of how how we talk to kids about it, how it's incorporated into helping treat kids. And that's something I think that baffles me as a human being and baffles you as a mother is why wouldn't we want to embrace and use something that will help kids when they're in pain or their disease instead of putting them through these treatments that do help but it, the process is is – horrendous you yeah, know
0: anxiety I mean I yeah. just feel like watching teenagers right now not just my kid but all teenagers like the Absolutely. level of anxiety they're under and if there's something that we could give them that isn't things that have like on the side the pill bottle for like depression or anxiety
1: could cause murderous or suicidal thoughts I'm like I'm not giving this like <laughs> yeah and that's well and that's what it is and it's like it's it's interesting to me I mean and and you having a teen, you know, a teenager, so many kids, I think, and again, I'm not a parent of a human child. However, <laughs> I'm very mean, well cared for. <laughs> okay. But seeing so many kids diagnosed with attention deficit disorders, um, which I, I personally think it's, it's a di- diagnosis that just, it's so easy for people to go to. Let me, let me go to, let me throw medication at it and that's the end of it. Um, that's not necessarily the case. I think I am I've actually one thing I've always found very interesting because I was so different in how I learned growing up. And I was just deemed lazy by teachers and by school officials when the reality is I just learned very differently, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but an education is not a one size fits all, even though that's how it's packaged nowadays. Um, but you know, for sit there and ask kids to sit in school for eight hours a day when they're six, seven years old and their average attention span is only a couple of minutes at a time. So if they don't pay attention longer than that, then, oh, they're having an attention deficit disorder. So I think that's going to be different. And I think the treatment of things are going to be different. Um, I know a lot of kids, there's been a lot of, you know, kids diagnosed with Asperger's and things like that. And I think that that may be something that we're going to see changing in the treatment of, you know, CBD oil helping to calm down certain parts of the brain that are overactive and, and help increase certain parts of the brain that are underactive or whatever the case may be. So I think it's going to be a very interesting time over the next 10 years to see how things change and develop for kids and for us as adults and chronic treatments and things like that. Because like for you, you're on different medications and there's a there's issues you have to deal with with every medication that you take, you know, and to be able to continue to cut those down mm-hmm. <laughs> and help, have a great functional everyday life and not have to deal with that stuff. I really think CBD oil is going to be at the center of all of that. I personally do.
0: So we actually have gotten to an hour, which seems very unfair to me. Ah, (laughs) So I'm going to end with one question. And I've been switching up with the swearing question with, um, because I've, been talking to my lovely auntie who's getting annoyed at all my swearing. So I'm going to ask a different question. <laughs> um, she's the only one who gets to tell me that too. Um, what's your favorite purchase that's helped you with your handling migraines that's under $100?
1: Oh, that. Ooh, that's really, that's a good question. Uh, uh, thank you,
0: uh, Tim Ferriss, because I stole that question from him. And I thought it's such a great question of like, what under $100 <laughs> actually really impacts your life?
1: That's, oh God, that's a really good question. Huh. I have to think on that. Wow. I
0: have to give credit over to Tim Ferriss. So if you can't think of it, I'm not going to pressure you. I'll put your answer in the show notes. Uh, Or you can Uh, go back to the swearing uh, one and I'll just warn my aunt not to listen to this one. That's (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay. I probably, I'm going to say probably the first thing that I ever, ever got in terms of homeopathic, which was, you know, a $20 bottle of, peppermint essential oil. That was the start of everything for me. So I think that's probably been the best purchase I've ever done. Um, and that's something that I always keep with me. I always have, I, you know, I rarely leave the house. It's kind of like having my license in my wallet and my, I always have a small bottle with me so I can always apply it no matter what's going on. And it's not just for migraines. I use it on muscle aches and all sorts of stuff too. Um, so I would say that cause that's what kind of started my natural healing path. Was up with that one little bottle of peppermint oil, so I'd have to go with that. And then, of course, any of my products, obviously, you know, yeah, I got a pair of it.
0: <laughs> no, we're we're gonna pitch it too. And please go to your website, which is madeincalifornia dot co. I'm gonna link it in the show notes, and yes. we'll put that right up front and center. So if you want to try some of her amazing holistic products, they will be very easy to find.
1: Absolutely, oh. we gotta- a lot more stuff coming too. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. And um, if I move to Oregon, it's your fault.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm, I welcome that. I promise we're going to have parties and get togethers and weekend camping and all sorts of stuff. So absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much for tuning in this week. It means so much to Kiris and I. We're still a baby podcast. We're only six months old. And if you would like to be really, really nice to us, you can share this episode with a friend or someone you wish understood chronic illness or invisible disorders better. And you can also go to iTunes, leave an embarrassingly nice review, and of course, press that subscribe button. Tune in for a new episode next Monday AM. And until next time, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.